Well, welcome everybody to Community Christian Church. My name's Ed Martin. Happy Father's Day. Thank you guys for coming out to be a part of this with us today. As you just saw, we're in this series called Gym Class, and we're learning from the brother of Jesus, a guy named James. And we use Jim because we had that graphic. <laughs> so we're glad you're here. And uh, today, uh, I just want to remind you, a few weeks ago when I started this series, I said to you uh, that James is a, he's like a normal guy. And so he talks like most guys. He's really direct. He's pretty straightforward. And he writes a book that's pretty direct and straightforward. In fact, when I think about the book of James, I think it's the kind of book that my dad would have written. Uh, short, declarative statements just so that you make sure you don't miss what I'm trying to say to you. And today uh, is, well, Jim's going to give us one of those dad kind of talks. He's going to talk about a thing that all of us know is a problem. We don't like to admit it's a problem, but we know it's there. And then somebody brings it up and talks to us about it, and we sort of feel like it got better because we talked about it, but then it rears its ugly head again and again and again. And it's one of those things that I've come to realize as I've been alive for long enough now that it's true in every group of people, it's true in every culture, it's true everywhere you go, this thing exists. And uh, we like to think in our country we sort of fought that battle and we got this one, but it's still there, and in fact, in some ways, I think we're seeing it rear its ugly head again in a way that we thought was long since gone. So what Jim is going to talk to us about today, it's really, really timely for us to listen to. So what I want to do to start this today is I just want to read to you the way that James writes this in his direct little book. Uh, it's really direct, again, I'll say, and then we'll just try to talk about it in as friendly a way as we can, this problem that you all already know about. Here's what he says. My brothers and sisters, as believers, and I don't know if you notice or not, he's boxing them in here. He's saying, my brothers and sisters, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, he's piling it on to get them the point, don't show favoritism. And all favoritism means is I choose one person over another person just because I like this person better than this person or because of a personal preference I have or a personal prejudice that I have or because of something this person can get for me or do for me that I don't think this person can do for me. All favoritism means, when, with regard particularly the way that James is talking about it, is I just choose somebody, I got two people, and I choose one of them over another because I have something I think that can benefit me by choosing this person over choosing this other person. I choose them just because I have a preference, and it's somewhere deep inside of me, or it's a prejudice that I sort of grew up with, and I choose them. It's a personal kind of thing inside of me. I choose one person over another. I gravitate toward them, and I gravitate to away from other kind of people, and it's just personal. And did you notice, and I just want to say this so we don't miss it, James is addressing this to people in the church. Now, I'm sure it was a problem for everybody in their culture, but you'll notice James doesn't say, hey, everybody always, don't show favoritism. He wants to make clear, he's saying, hey, brothers and sisters, those in our glorious Lord Jesus don't show favoritism. He says, I'm not really concerned about the culture. Yeah, it's a problem in culture. But what I want you to know is it's a problem in our church, in the church, and it has to stop. This cannot be. 
And what James is trying to bring us to is he's just saying, hey, when he says brothers and sisters, he's wanting to remind us how all of us, well, how we all came to be brothers and sisters. He wants us to bring that to our mind, that God, God accepted us even though we weren't all that acceptable. God brought us into his family based not on something we were or some choice he made about us because he liked us better than other people. God chose us based on who he was, and he brought us in, and now we're choosing to choose differently to, between people for no reason whatsoever. God didn't choose us because we were pretty or best or the smartest. God chose us because he loves all people. And what James is saying to you is, so what gives you the right to have a higher standard than God? How did you get the right to have a higher standard about other people than God has? He's asking us, what makes you think that's okay with you that you can choose between people when God, he didn't choose between people the way you choose between people. He's just saying, look, all of us admit that God God didn't choose us because we had a certain IQ. I mean, what would it be like if God only choose, chose people with a high IQ? Well, one thing we know sure is a different person would be up here talking. What would, what would it be like if God only chose people of a certain gender or he only chose people of a certain uh, color or he only chose people that had a certain amount of money? What would, what would it be like if God did that to us? And then he gives us this illustration. He says he wants to show us this illustration to point out to us how wrong it is for us to choose people in a way that God would never choose. Now, before I read this to you, I just want to remind you, this is an illustration. And often with illustrations, people begin to think, well, because that illustration doesn't really fit me, uh, I'm, I'm not covered by the point. I just want to say to you again, this is an illustration that James is talking about to them, and it was a problem for them. He's trying to point to them. But his point has already been made, don't show favoritism. But I don't want you to miss the illustration he gives, even though it's probably not the problem most of us have. Here's what he says. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. And now he defines for us exactly what he meant by favoritism. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor person, you stand over there or sit on the floor, and we read that and we're like, who would do that? I mean, we never do that. I, I'm clean on this. He says, now, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And again, we think, well, yeah, that, that's not right, but I'd never do that. I would never choose in that way. But, I mean, we, we all have a tendency to choose between people based on something about as meaningful as what James just described. I mean, if you see somebody, I mean, let's just be honest. You see somebody out in public, and they're an actor that's in town to shoot something, and they're rich and famous. You treat them differently than you treat people that you might know but you don't really like. You treat the rich and the famous, who you don't even know, but they're rich and famous, and you think you get a little plus from knowing them or telling a story about them. You, get, you treat them differently than you treat a person who can't do anything for you. James says, hey, it's in all of us. And he says, when you've done, when you've done that, just admit you've done something God has never done for any person. And though it's normal and everybody does it, 
What gives you the right to judge people in a way that God doesn't judge other people? Why do you get to have higher standards than God has for people? And even though we don't do it exactly the way he talks about in this illustration that he uses, uh, we do it. We all do it. We don't all do it in choosing where, not where we sit, but we do it in where we sit regularly so we don't have to sit with other people. And we, we do it in who we talk to and who we don't talk to. We do it in who we eat with and who we don't eat with, with who we pay attention to and who we don't pay attention to. And all he's saying is, after God went to such great lengths to make you brothers and sisters in our glorious Lord Jesus, he made you one. Where there's neither male nor female, there's, there's no gender, there's no, there's no race, there's, there's no rich or poor before God. God went to great lengths, gave his son so you could come into his family and be one. You make distinctions between people now based on something God doesn't even recognize. He says, haven't you become judges with evil motives? And we go, wait, 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 wait. We don't judge in our culture. I mean, that's like our highest value. We accept everybody. We don't judge other people in James Code. Well, you can call it whatever you want to. Well, you choose to be with that person, not with that person. You choose that person on the basis of something that's really just a personal kind of choice. You talk to them. You don't talk to them. You're with them and help them, but you don't help other people. You call it whatever you want to. Haven't you become judges with, with evil motives? I mean, aren't you making distinctions that God never made for you? And the information that you use to make these distinctions, it's information God doesn't even notice. Why do you have a higher standard than God has? He says, you judge each other based on what advantage it is for you. What can I get as a result of knowing you? What story can I talk about what I got being around you? How can I gain from being with you? Or how could I potentially lose by hooking up with you? What might it require of me if I became a friend of yours because, you know, people like that. What would that maybe require of me? He says, you know, you come in into church and you come in with a bunch of people and when you originally come in, you know all of us are filthy, rotten sinners. And we got brought into the family of God in the same way. It was God's love and grace and forgiveness based on that, on what he did through Jesus, not on who we were or what we were or what we looked like. It's solely on that basis and then we wind up coming in and we start chopping up and dividing up and sizing people up based on criteria that God would never use. He says, your motives are evil. Your heart is evil. You're just looking at what's best for you and what you think is right. How could that help me? How could it be a disadvantage for me if I went with this other group? James says, that has got to stop in the church. Brothers and sisters, this has got to stop. We have to be people where we love everybody always. We have to start trying to see people the way that God sees people. We are the body of Christ. And then he goes on to show us how different God's standards are from our standards. Now, I'll just tell you, the, the verses that I'm going to read to you right here, these verses, 
a number of years ago, and I was already a professional Christian. I, I would already, you know, I was in the ministry, and people were paying me to be good. Not like you, you're good for nothing. I, I got paid to be good. And I was already in that category, and these verses, when, when somebody pointed them out to me, they were so incredibly convicting to me. There were things that were inside of me that I didn't even recognize they were a problem for me. In fact, a lot of what we've become as a church at Community Christian Church came about because of the work that God has done in my life over the, over the years on this and in the lives of some other key people around here. A lot of the things that a lot of you love about what we are and what we've become, they came out of work that God did through these verses. See, there's a certain kind of a person that if they were here and Jesus were here, there's a certain kind of person that Jesus would want everybody to go, hey, look at this guy. Notice him. But be honest, it's, it's not the kind of person that we would immediately kind of notice. They're not the kind of person that we'd want to hold up. If Jesus were here, there's a person that he would want to hold up as an example that we would never hold up. And I'll tell you, if you look around the church, and a church that has problems, and every church has problems, this church has problems, we're, we're not excluded from that, Almost always, the problem goes back to the church has made something really important that God doesn't think is all that important. And it almost always has to do with people. The church has made something important that excludes or makes somebody better than somebody else. And it has to do with people, and God doesn't think it's all that important. Here's what James has to say. He says, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom promised to those who love him? Now, when I read that years ago, the word that just like jumped off the page to me was the word chosen. God has chosen the poor. He, he chose the poor. Hasn't God chosen the poor? And the, the thought I had to deal with, why would God choose the poor? Why, why would he choose them? Well, here's, here's what I think. I think God chooses the poor because, you know, when you're poor and you don't have a lot of what everybody else has and you really have to depend on God and all you really have is a little bit of stuff and a lot of faith in God, when all you have is your faith in God, you find out that all you really needed was your faith in God and your faith gets deep. And God sees that. God sees that in your heart and he acknowledges it. And he chooses you because you, you chose him. And some of you who are, are joining in with us today, you know this, not because you're poor materially, but because you're poor in your health. Your health got bad, or you're poor in your marriage, or in your family, your family got crosswise, or you're poor in your work, you lost a job. And even though... You realized at some point you had a kid that was an addict or you had a family member who was an addict or you had something that was out of control and you realized finally there's nothing I can do about this. I have to turn to God. And when you turn to God and all you had in that situation was God, your faith grew. Your faith got strong. And you knew that you were different. But here's the other side of it. For those of us who are rich and rich in all kinds of ways, and we call it being blessed. I've been, I've been blessed with money. I've been blessed with good health. My, I've been blessed with my family together. We call all of that being blessed. You know what we have a tendency to do? We see what is, we say is a blessing. We see it as something that we sort of earned. 
And we have more confidence in ourselves and in what we have and less faith in God. And God sees that too, Jesus says. God sees all of that. Has he not chosen the poor? Has he not chosen those who put their faith in them? He says to us, but that's not who you choose. You wind up honoring the rich and what you call blessed. James just says, you honored the wrong guy. You got it all wrong. Now, we know that's true. Something inside of you says, I know I've messed this up. You know you get it wrong. We, we know we sometimes honor the wrong people for the wrong motives, and we split into groups that God doesn't recognize, and, and we see it. But we don't like to talk about it. I mean, for most of us, if we're really honest, it's not the rich and poor thing. For some people, it's the rich and poor thing, but it's not I divide up among rich and poor. It's a problem, but we have so many more problems that are bigger that we divide up over and, and we don't talk about. But I made a list. And whether you want to hear my list or not, I have the microphone. So here's, here's the list I came up with. Some of us here resent people over money. In fact, you don't like people who have more money than you. Now, you want money, but when you meet somebody that's got more money than you, there's a little bit of resentment in there. In fact, I had a conversation with somebody a, a while back. and Anyway, I had a conversation with a person a while back that he, he wound up liking a person in his group, and he really felt, was felt they were developing a friendship until he saw what the person drove. And then because of what they drove, he goes, I, you know, I don't know why anybody would spend that kind of money on a car. And his whole respect changed for this person. Some of you, it's, it's the opposite kind of way. You, you don't like people who make less than you. I mean, some of you, you would never say this out loud. We don't admit this kind of thing out loud. But you see poor people, and here's the thought you have. In America, in America, if you're poor, it's because you are lazy. It's because you had a chance, and you don't want to take your chance. And anybody in America, if they want to get out there and make it, they can make it. And if you're poor, it's on you. And you don't want to be around that. You don't have anything to do with that. You don't say it. You don't teach your kids that. But everybody can see it in the way you divide up into groups. Some of you here, you don't like African Americans. Some of you don't like the fact that I use the phrase African American. Some of you don't like white people. You don't say that out loud, but you don't. There are people here that you don't like. You don't like Mexicans, you don't like Latinos, you don't like, you don't like brown people in general, you don't like Asians. You look at people who look different than you from come from the Middle East, and you think to yourself, they're probably illegal. They're probably costing me something. Now, again, you may not say that out loud. You certainly don't say that kind of thing to most people in the church. Some of you don't like 12-step people. You don't like people that are addicts. You think, hey, they chose that kind of thing, and they're just a drain, and they're hindering people, and they can choose differently. Others of you who are in the program, and you're, you've gotten healthier, you don't like people who never done that. You think, ah, oh, they don't get what we've been through, and you choose only to be with people that are like you. Some of us don't like people in the LGBTQ community. Others of you don't like people who don't like people who are in the LGBT community, you think, why they always got to be judging people? I don't want to judge the people, so I judge them for judging people. Other people are like, I'm not judging anybody. The Bible is judging them. 
Some of, some of us don't like people who dress nicer than we do. I've never had that one about me. And some of you don't like people who don't have good taste. I'm sorry. Some of you don't like stay-at-home moms. I, I didn't even know this. But then I, you hear it occasionally. Well, of course she's a stay-at-home mom. What, what else could she do? Some of you don't like people who, they have a career. Moms, of course, she really cared about her kids. She'd stay at home with them and love them. She'd be with them. Some of you don't like people who send their kids to public school. You think they don't really care. Others of you have a prejudice against people who pay money to send their kids to a private school. Why can't they be like the rest of us? I mean, we take these things and we, we divide them up. I mean, you, you know the big one, and, and boy, this one's about to get real big in our country because we're ramping up to it these days. We're about to have an election. Some of you don't like President Trump, and others of you don't like people who do like President Trump. I mean, we don't, we don't like people for all kinds of reasons. You don't like millennials. You don't like young people. They're all, they all just want things given to them. Others of you can't stand older kind of people. Some of you don't, don't like people who go to college. Others of you don't like people who just work with their hands all the time. And then you get involved in the church, and particularly this is true when you come to CCC, you get around people and you start to talk to people and you find out at CCC, we got one of them you don't like. Because we got one of every kind. And the reason the church has one of every kind is because all the distinctions that you and I make, that we divide up into groups, God doesn't choose any of that. God doesn't see any of that. So our good Father is constantly reaching out to every person and bringing them in and saying, hey, come one, come all. I love all people all the time. I want you all to be one. He like, And then he looks at those of us who are brothers and sisters in Christ and said, now let, let me get this straight. You were lost and in a mess, and, and for the most part, for most of you, you were in a mess that was of your own making. Now, some of it was accidental and you didn't mean to do it, but let's be clear. Most of it you did on purpose and, and then you asked for forgiveness of it and you did it on purpose again. And every time you come to me, I'm faithful and I forgive you and I bring you back in. I don't put you off in the corner. I treat everybody the same. And then you come in and you start making distinctions that I don't even see. Why do you get to have a higher standard than I have, God says. In the church, he says, this has got to stop. And then when James has us all good and convicted with his dad talk, he gives us a solution. And I'm glad the solution is what it is. It isn't just, hey, you need to stop that. Instead, he gives us a solution that comes right from his brother, Jesus, he says. It's good when you obey the, the royal law. Well, wait, wait a minute. What was that, James? What's the royal law? I can't remember that when he says it's love your neighbor as yourself. So here's the solution. When you run into that person or you engage with that group of people and that thing flares up in you and you know it's there and you don't really like it about yourself, but you see them and you're about to make that distinction, here's what he says. I want you to, I want you to commit to ask this question. What does love require of me? What does love require of me? What would it look like for me to love them the way I want people to love me and not judge me? What does it love require of me in this moment for me to do what is best for that person, not for me? You go everywhere and you just ask, 
what would it look like for me to love them and do what's best for them? And then whatever it is, you just do that thing. And then just in case you haven't gotten how serious he is about what he's talking about, he says, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. and You're guilty of breaking the law. Some years ago, I, I was blessed. I didn't really know it at the time, but I was blessed to had this older guy in my life. He wasn't, he wasn't a part of the church that I was in. He was a Christian. I found out his son was a, a pastor, and I now know his son. But he was older than me, and I met him through a mutual friend in a, in a club that we were all a part of. And uh, I liked him. We had a similar kind of sense of humor. We were from a similar kind of background, and I liked having this older guy. And we'd sit and talk, and like I am, I not just learned this, this is the way I am. I'm, I express my opinion. I'm talking about what I think, what I don't think, and I'm 20-something years old, and I'm telling him what I think, and all this time, and he listens for a while, and then at one particular meeting, we're sitting close together, and nobody else is really paying attention to us, and he says, hey, you know, I've, I've listened to you talk enough now to know you don't like poor people. And that's a problem for you and God. And then he quoted some of these verses I just talked to you about. And he says, you're going to need to figure this out, and I'm willing to help if you want me to. So over the next few years, with, with his help, we, we began to meet, we began to talk, and I knew he was right when he said it. I can give you all kinds of reasons it was right, but he and I, along with a whole bunch of other Christians in the area that we lived at the time, we, we formed a ministry where we got together and we began to help those who were under-resourced in our area. And I committed to be there every week, and I was there every week. And I began, here's, here's what I began to realize. When I confessed what I knew was true about me, and I confessed it to God, and I confessed it to another person, and I began to pray about it, and I began to choose to do differently than what I felt in my heart. I, choose, I chose to do what God commanded me to do. My experience of God changed. And I began to feel closer to God. And my faith began to grow. And you want, you want to know what I have seen and what I've acknowledged since that time when I began to do that work? And since that time, you know, as I began to help other people and we form ministries and we try to reach out to people that are under resource and we try to make a place where everybody's loved and there's no perfect people and we try to commit to, to being one people in one place all the time. You know what, what I have noticed over the last 30 years of doing that? I've not once ever had another person come to me and go, Ed, you know what's really the problem in my life? I don't like black people. I don't like white people. I don't like poor people. I don't like rich people. My problem is I don't like immigrants. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I've never had anybody come to me and say, you know what the biggest problem between me and God is? Is there's some people I don't love the way God loves. But it's been true. The whole time. But the problem is, we don't think it's that big a deal. You know, we just don't think, I mean, we just don't see it the way God sees it. You know, when we hear the word sin, like James just used, it's a sin. If you don't do this, you choose one group of people over another. You know what we think sin is? Sin's being a pedophile. Sin's murder. Sin's stealing people's stuff. 
Sin is being lazy to some of us. Sin is those kind of things. Choosing one kind of pe people over another, that's just natural, man. Everybody does it. And it might not be the best thing, but hey, it ain't sin like those others. I thought that too. And then a friend of mine took me to gym class. And James made clear to me, it's sin. And when I confessed it and owned it, everything began to change. See, what James heard from his big brother Jesus, even when he didn't believe in Jesus yet, is he'd hear Jesus say, hey, there's really only two commands that matter. You love God and you love people. And then near the end of Jesus' life, Jesus got his disciples together and he said to them, hey, let's take those two and let's make it one. A new command I give you, love one another. Just as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Jesus just looks at us and says, hey, brothers and sisters, those who follow me, who've been brought into my family, those of you who know me, who want to do what I'm asking you to do, do you think you can keep one rule? Here's the one rule. You love everybody just the way I have loved you. And you know what's at stake with this one rule? You know what's, what's at stake if we choose not to get this right? What's at stake is the people in your life that you love, that you do choose, but they don't know Jesus the way you want them to. Those people you want to share your faith, those children you have, those grandchildren you have, those neighbors you have, that husband you have, that wife you have, the person you want to know Jesus, them coming to know Jesus is what at stake. And you're like, I don't know. I, I love them. They're not, it's not them. How could that be the problem? It's a big jump you're making. It's really not. You know how I know it's not? Because Jesus says it wasn't. When Jesus is with his disciples that very last night, he, we have recorded by one of his followers, a guy named John, he records Jesus, the longest recorded prayer we have in Jesus. And Jesus prays for lots of things. He prays for those immediate disciples. He prays for them. But then he prays for somebody else. You know who he prays for? He prays for you. And he prays for me. He prays for everybody who will become a follower through those original disciples. Here, here's what he prays. He says, I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. So here we are in a country where fewer and few people, they know that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus says, here's your problem. And all of us know this is true in our culture. Here's what I want to say to you, to those of you who are part of Community Christian today, and if you're not, we're so glad you came, but specifically, I want to talk to you if you consider this to be the place where you consider this the place that you come to serve God. Here's what I want to say. We as a church regularly say everybody's welcome because nobody's perfect. There's no perfect people here. Hey, we can't even spell perfect. Nobody perfect here. And we love to wear around t-shirts that say, love everybody always. Heck, we even printed it so we can see it in every message. And I love that slogan, and I love that I see them being worn around. And for most of the time, we get this right. But here's what I know, and here's what many of you know. 
If you're willing to be honest, you know this is true. What I just talked to us about, what James has made clear to us, is in every single one of us. It's in me, and I hate it. I hate that it's in me. And it's true in all of you, too. And it's in our culture, and we feel how divided we are in our culture, but James says, don't worry about the culture. Brothers and sisters, it's true in you, and you've got to get it right. In 1963, Reverend Martin Luther King said, the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. It's 56 years ago, and he's still right. And he may be, he'd be shocked that it's even more divided. Not always just racially. It's still divided racially. White people churches, black people churches, Latino churches, Asian churches. We're all divided. We're divided over music. We're divided over the kind of things we like and the kind of things we don't like. We're divided over where we sit and how we sit and what we dress. We're just divided. We divide over all kinds of things, though we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're still divided over things that God does not even recognize. It's true, and we know it, but almost none of us have ever confessed the reason it's true in the church is because it's true in us. And that's where it begins. And you know it, and you hate that it's true in the church, but the reason it's in the church is because it's in you too. James would say, the way you do it with it is you own it, you confess it to God, you confess it to each other, and then you choose. You choose to love. What does love require of you? You admit that when you get it wrong, you sinned. And you broke the law. And you repent, and you do right. And when you see those people, and it begins to rear up in you, and you begin to choose between people, and you feel it rise up, and you don't want it, you do what Jesus asked you to do. You steer in their direction, and you move toward them, and you figure out what does love require of me, and then you do it. You give to other people what you have received freely from God. And when you don't do that, will you be willing to say it to God, hey, God, I sinned? And will you be willing to say it to the group of Christians that are around you who love you, hey, I'm getting this wrong? When we begin to take it that seriously, and we pray to God, and we pray with each other for this, we will begin to change and the church will begin to change and the world will know that God is one and that he loves them and that his son was sent for them. We can start that right now. So I'm going to ask you to bow with me and pray with me and begin by confessing. Let's bow together. And right now, just tell God what's true about the people that no one but he knows you, you don't really like, you don't choose. It's hard for you to admit to yourself, but admit it. Now, Father in heaven, would you help us all to be honest with ourselves and honest with you and honest with some other people? And would you help us to begin to love everyone, always, just the way you've loved us? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thank you all for coming today. If you're a dude here today, we have another special gift for you. As you leave today, on your way out, on your left and your right, there are going to be T-shirts. On your left will be large T-shirts. On your right is extra large T-shirts. 
One for every guy. Hey, we love you. We th we're thankful for what you do. Thanks for coming. See you next week.